Welcome to First Turn, where we play our board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like a book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and I'm flying solo on this one. So today I'm playing Tarawa 1943. It was designed by Grant Wiley and Mike Wiley, who also designed Hold Fast Russia, which Eric and I played on episode 145. And the artist was Sean Cook, who also did the art for Hold Fast Russia. It was published in 2021 by Worthington Publishing LLC. The description. Tarawa 1943 is a solo card-driven war game on the invasion of Japanese-controlled Tarawa by the 2nd Marine Division. The game will give the historical starting invasion site, however, we have included the alternate South Beach landing possibility that the Japanese had expected and prepared. Victory is achieved by taking the island as quickly as possible while minimizing casualties. This was the first invasion of the U.S. island hopping strategy, and high losses or a prolonged fight could have led to a cancellation of the island hopping campaign. And the mechanics are action points, campaign battle card driven, dice rolling, point to point movement, push your luck, solo solitaire game. And the box art, uh, it looks like a kind of an oil painting. Um, there's a lot of uh, fire in the background and you can see uh, Marines wading ashore. There's a couple of destroyed um, landing vehicle tracked uh, alligator vehicles. And then uh, the uh, title is surrounded by two palm trees because uh, famously at the end of the battle when they raised the uh, U.S. flag and also the British flag because the Gilbert Islands where Tarawa Atoll is was also uh, was originally British owned. So they raised uh, both flags and they used these flag or these two palm trees as um, the flagpoles. Would I pull this off a shelf? Uh, the answer is yes. I have the game uh, sitting in front of me right now. I think the big thing for me is uh, as a Marine, uh, the history is there. This game uh, was highly recommended as a uh, kind of a solo war game. And pretty much um, if the Marines are involved, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. So um, the art doesn't necessarily jump out at me. It is a, a basic... Um, uh, block game. Uh, the game itself came with um, some stickers you have to put on wooden blocks. So uh, it's in line with uh, Worthington Publishing, but I think overall um, it doesn't look uh, terrible. Um, oh, that sounded horrible, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would I would pick it up because I did. Uh, we'll go into. I don't need to guess how it's played because I already know how it's played. So I'll go into a, a quick history. So. On the 20th of November, 1943, the 2nd Marine Division and the 27th Infantry Division landed on Batillo Island, which is the southwesternmost island in the Tarawa Atoll in the Gilbert Islands. Um, and this put approximately 35,000 soldiers and Marines against the estimated 5,000 defenders, which were made up of a Japanese garrison and then uh, Korean laborers that had been brought to the island in order to build an airfield. Further to the southwest, uh, still in the Pacific, the 3rd Marine Division and the 37th Infantry Division were about three weeks into their attack on Bougainville in the Solomon Islands. The Marines in their planning had requested three days of preparatory fires, but the Navy wanted to maintain the element of surprise and as a result only conducted three hours of preparatory involvement. And that started at as 6.10 in the morning on the 20th, and it lasted until the landing waves, uh, just before the landing waves started ashore, which is around uh, 9 o'clock, and that was uh, 30 minutes late. So there's a reef that surrounds uh, the atoll, and uh, when they did the initial planning, they expected a high tide uh, with that would have 
given a, a water depth of five feet over the top of the reef. However, that day and the day before, the high tide had actually been lower than expected, and there was less than three feet in many of the places. There was a uh, New Zealand uh, uh, liaison officer who uh, was very familiar with uh, Tarawa Atoll, and uh, he had warned that the water depth was probably going to be uh, very shallow. And so Colonel Shoup, the commander of the 2nd Marine Regiment, uh, warned his Marines that they would probably have a 50-50 chance that they would have to wade ashore. Um, and that is exactly what happened for a vast majority of the Marines. So the Higgins boats, um, which are the, you know, the classic landing craft that we would see. So if you've seen the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, those were all Higgins boats. Um, they needed about four feet of water and, and therefore they, they couldn't cross the reef. The tracked landing craft, the LVT alligators, they were able to, although many of them were destroyed on the beach or trying to make return trips. So eventually uh, those weren't a factor anymore. Um, and what this led to was the Marines then had to wade ashore almost 500 yards uh, through the water in order to get to the beach. And uh, unfortunately, the naval bombardment also lifted at about this time, uh, which allowed the Japanese to man their defensive positions and begin to attack the landing beaches and those that were still waiting ashore. Um, the U.S. was able to make a beachhead, but by the end of this day, um, of the 5,000 Marines that had landed or attempted to land, 1,500 were dead or wounded. Uh, during the following day, the U.S. was able to take control of the eastern side of the island, which had uh, most of the landmass uh, and a good chunk of the airfield. Um, and it's estimated that there were probably about, um, of the almost 4,000 Japanese, there are about a thousand remaining by the end of that day. The third day, the Marines were able to consolidate their positions. And then during the night, the Japanese conducted um, the, their most counterattacks, uh, doing that sporadically between 7.30 at night and four o'clock in the morning the following day uh, with an estimated 500 remaining fighters. Um, this brings us into the 23rd. Um, the island was declared secured on that day at around 1.30 p.m. And over the next couple of days, uh, 2nd Battalion, 6th Marines uh, moved up the remaining islands of the toll of the atoll and uh, finished clearing those uh, remaining 500 to 100 defenders that were estimated to still be there. And that was completed by the 28th. Um, of the 3,636 Japanese in the garrison, only one officer and 16 enlisted men were captured. And of the 1,200 Korean laborers brought to the island, only 129 survived. And they believe it was about 4,690 defenders were killed. The Marines, uh, and soldiers lost 894 killed in action on the island, uh, with an additional 84 passing later from their wounds. And there was almost 2,200 that were wounded. Um, the big things were that this was the first landing in the Pacific where the Japanese attempted to defend the landing site. So previously in Okinawa, New Georgia, and Bougainville, which had happened three weeks earlier, uh, the Japanese had decided to, to defend from positions further inland. Um, and th this was the first time. So one of the nicknames for Tarawa is Bloody Tarawa because of that fact. Um, the greatest impact that Tarawa really had on the war um, 
because geographically it wasn't that important, um, were the lessons that were learned. So between the inadequate naval bombardment, which we would actually see again on Iwo Jima, um, the difficulties coordinating between Marines and Army on different beaches, so they had communication problems, and then the planning failures uh, specifically with the, the tide. Um, but the uh, underwater demolition teams, which would later become the Navy SEALs in the 70s and 80s, uh, were started to were started uh, due to the need for hydrographic reconnaissance and underwater demolition, specifically because of what happened at Tarawa. Um, and then finally, the Marines created a short 20 minute documentary called With the Marines on Tarawa, which won an Oscar in 1944 for the best documentary short subject. Um, and you can actually see that Oscar at the National Museum of the Marine Corps. Um, at the time, in 1944, due to metal shortages, uh, plaster plaques were given to the winners. Uh, later, you were supposed to return the plaque, and then in exchange, they would give you the Oscar. Um, but the Marines received their Oscar statue, uh, but didn't return the plaque. So it is also maintained at the museum, uh, just not on display. So with that, uh, let's find out how to play. So the, uh, the player is going to take the role of Major General Julian C. Smith, um, who was the commander of the 2nd Marine Division for the landing of Tarawa. The Japanese actions are played out from an AI built of a deck of cards, and the goal is to take control of the island of Bateo. Um, the game ends if the player controls all island positions or if the Japanese uh, last Japanese card is played. So each round is split into two parts, the Marine turn and the Japanese turn. So on the Marine turn, the Marine is going to draw two new cards from the tactics deck and place them face up in front of them with a maximum of three cards allowed at one time. The player can choose to discard a tactic card during their turn or play a card. And then the player can also play a card during the Japanese action. So then they're going to perform one of the following actions. So they can place a new landing wave. So at the beginning of the game, you're going to start with two battalions off the board. Um, and so once you've cleared up uh, some of the landing waves, you can then position uh, additional forces in those landing waves and bring them ashore. Uh, the original landing waves were uh, red beach, uh, one, two, and three going east to west, uh, but there was also a green beach. And so in order to utilize green beach, uh, you have to uh, have uh, someone occupying either the, the black beach uh, one position or the red beach one position. So that's... Uh, one of the options. The next one is regroup. So you're going to add three cohesion to any battalion. If the battalion's cohesion is three to five and currently exhausted, you must make an exhaustion check. You can rotate battalions. So you can swap the position of two battalion, one battalion with another battalion in an adjacent position, and one of the two must lower their cohesion by one. You can move, so one battalion can move from its current occupied position to an unoccupied position, which can be either friendly or enemy controlled. So enemy controlled, meaning they were there last, uh, but don't have any forces there at the moment. You reduce their cohesion by one. And if there was an adjacent unexhausted battalion to the moving one, you can then have it occupy the space that was left by the moving battalion. And then finally, you can attack. So one of your battalions can attack an adjacent Japanese occupied position. You'll lower their cohesion by one, and then you'll roll five dice, plus any additional dice you might get from playing tactics cards. So for uh, double fives or sixes, you'll remove a Japanese marker. All fours are removed immediately. 
All threes are re-rolled immediately. Double twos are going to reduce the attacking battalion's cohesion by one, and double ones will remove one marker from the attack battalion. Um, the, after you remove the fours and threes, you, you can select dice to keep, and then for each, you can re-roll as many times as you want. You just have to pay one cohesion uh, for each attempt to re-roll. Uh, if all Japanese markers are removed, the attacker can move into the vacated position. So that's the U.S. turn. On the Japanese turn, they were going to draw a card from the Japanese deck and perform the instructions on the card. When it comes to attacks, uh, when the card tells you to do that, uh, the only the Japanese only roll three dice. They'll remove a marine marker for each six. They'll reduce the cohesion of the marine marker by one for a four or a five. If threes are rolled, they're going to be re-rolled immediately. Twos will cancel out any sixes and double ones will remove one Japanese marker from the attacker. And then the only exception is, to that is, is for bonsai attacks, you're gonna roll five dice instead of three. Uh, you can't bonsai attack battalions that are in the waves because essentially they're out uh, on the ocean. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, and then instead of twos canceling sixes, uh, you're gonna reroll them. The game ends immediately if the Marines occupy all of the island positions, uh, which there are nine of them. Uh, if the last Japanese card is drawn from the deck, the game ends after the next player turn. Uh, victory points are then totaled. So Marines will receive two victory points for each controlled position and one victory point for each Japanese card remaining in the deck. Japan gets two victory points per Marine Corps marker eliminated, one victory point for each battalion exhausted, and three victory points for each position it controls. Japan wins if they are equal or beat the point value of the Marines, and if the Marines win by one to five, it's a marginal victory or a historical victory. Six to nine, it's a moderate victory. And if they win by more than 10, it's a smashing victory. And the rule book actually goes on to say that it went so well that they were able to skip a bunch of other islands and the war ended six months earlier. So um, those are all the rules. Um, so um, all Marines to your stations, let's play. So I just finished a game of Tarawa 1943. Uh, to recap, I was able to take the vast majority of Bateo. There was one last uh, Japanese uh, position occupied in the very um, northwestern uh, portion of it. Actually, I think technically that's southeast, the most southerly uh, point. Uh, it was the final position that the Japanese had. Unfortunately, there was an infiltration onto one of the beach landing sites. Uh, so uh, in the end, Japan uh, controlled two of the nine. Uh, I was able to control seven of the nine. Uh, the mitigating factor, though, was I lost uh, 10 battalions, um, which gave them uh, 20 points. And so I lost 26 to 14 or a negative 14. So uh, I set back the war effort by a great deal. So theme, uh, I think the mechanics uh, played well into the theme. I definitely did feel like I was uh, trying to get ashore. It was rough. Um, 
you know, there are rules here that say like, hey, if you're attacking uh, Marines out on the wave, you get an extra die, which can cause extra damage, which historically based on how the landing went, that makes sense. Um, there were some, there, there is a way to, to mitigate the dice. So, um, you know, I, I pushed, pushed my luck on some cases and wasn't able to, uh, to get there. I just, I, I don't think I was able to get ashore fast enough. That was my problem. I spent a lot of turns, uh, getting pushed ashore. And then, um, because of my card draws, uh, since you can only have a hand of three, um, and you can only play one card at a time, I wasn't able to, I, I ended up discarding a lot of cards that probably would have helped me, uh, in the end, but, I just I didn't get I didn't get ashore fast enough. Um, so but there's enough left on the map that in real life I probably could have finished it up. Um, and with the 27th infantry coming ashore, because those aren't markers here on the board, uh, maybe they could have uh, finished it up. But yeah. So I think thematically, uh, you know, the cards make sense. They actually have a book here that describes the 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 historical background to the decisions they made for why the cards are the way they are. Um, so that's um, pretty good. So uh, table presence. I think it, it's it's interesting. The cube like uh, normal block games, they have like square blocks. These are rectangles that just have you know, there's no movement, there's no combat power. It's literally just the three markers per battalion denoting the, you know, each company for that battalion, basically. Um, so I, I think your your table presence is going to uh, vary, right? So if I saw this map, I would recognize it as Tarawa just because of I'm a Marine and that's something that we've had to learn about. But I think Art-wise, I'm not sure uh, this would turn ahead. So I think the table presence is uh, mediocre, and your your mileage may vary uh, based on your interest in this kind of topic. Um, I spoke about the mechanics already. I liked the uh, the card play and being able to mitigate. I do appreciate that while there is dice. Uh, associated uh, with, so there's going to be some luck inherent in the game. Uh, you're able to mitigate that luck and and uh, and push your luck basically to try and uh, get the die rolls that you need by spending exhaustion. Uh, I had one unit that got exhausted, but I was able to recoup, and those recoup, you know, you can get back exhaustion so you can do other things. But at the end of the day, that just means another. Um, another card draw. So there's 24 cards. So essentially you get 25 turns because uh, 24 and you get one more past the Japanese die roll. So you get 25 turns uh, to do what you need to. And if you don't do it fast enough, it's just, uh, it's not going to work out for you. So the rules, um, I literally read the rule book uh, about 30 minutes before I started recording this podcast. So the rules themselves are pretty easy. I did go back in occasionally when I would do things for the first time, but the it, it's pretty simple. Uh, once you do, you know, once you do a bonsai attack once, once you do a uh, fire attack once, like everything else is pretty simple. And I would only go back to look um, when I would do something for the first time. And then conveniently on the board, they do have, you know, what the die results are for a Japanese fire attack, for a bonsai attack, for the Marine Corps battalions, uh, what theirs are. I think my only complaint is I was wish I wish there was somewhere on the board that would tell you what the uh, U.S. actions are, and I think there's some space where that probably uh, could have happened, but 
for the most part, it, it was very pretty easy to learn. Um, play interaction, it's a solo game. I was just out here talking to myself. So, um, but I did, um, I did interact with myself. No, uh, yeah, it's, it's a solo game. You're not interacting with anybody and you know what you're getting into when you play a game like this. So, uh, would I play it again? Yeah, absolutely. I need to win. I can't, uh, not win. Um, so that's a pretty abysmal score being outscored by 12. So, um, but mechanically, uh, the game went quick. Um, I never felt like I was bogged down with too many, uh, things, um, to do. There wasn't a whole lot of admin. Um, really the only admin is tracking the, uh, cohesion for the different, uh, battalions. But other than that, I thought it was, uh, um, it was good. I, I can see why it's kind of hyped up in the war game community as a good solo game and it's not super complex. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that's, that was, uh, Tarawa 1943. So if you have any recommendations of games, you'd like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. We can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at first turn cast. And the podcasting camel says, as he was in like a 1940s, um, like war bonds video. It was like, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Mm-hmm.